0: Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter.
1: I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskauspo.
0: March Madness is upon us. Uh, We are through the first weekend of the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments. Um, I know my bracket was completely shot to hell after, like, the first game happened um uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit um big news big big news I mean, uh from softball from wrestling from lacrosse I mean all the spring sports are just absolutely rocking right now and we would be remiss if we didn't lead off tonight uh talking some softball because uh this past weekend the cats went down to uh, Columbia Missouri and completely dominated the weekend tournament there, uh, beating Missouri uh, top 25 team in extra innings. They're you know, on their own field and finishing it off with a not just a shutout, but a no-hitter by Daniel, Danielle Williams on her birthday
2: against Stanford. I So we should say, too, and this is – all of you who are big Northwestern fans right now are being like a Northwestern athlete won a national championship and you're leading with something other than that. You're not wrong. That is true. And we are going to get to that. And we're going to give it its its due. But we had to lead with softball because what is happening in softball right now, you're starting to get into a place where the amalgams are 94, 95, 96, 2000, 16, 17. It is a season of absolute magic. I mean, I just the it's not just about the wins. There have been great seasons in other sports. There was that whole period of time where lacrosse just dusted everyone for entire seasons, three, four, five, six seasons in a row, right? It's not just that. Even though they're piling up wins, it is just Every game is like you have to watch because something unbelievable is going to happen, and it's it's almost like ludicrous what they carried into this weekend, and then what happened in this weekend. I'm just the first game, like Sam said, it went to extra innings. In well, no, the the
0: the first game they obliterated Ball State, went five innings, they won thirteen to five,
2: right, and then came right back, like. A couple hours later. Right. They run-ruled Ball State. And they they played Ball State three times this season, twice this weekend. Put them to bed both times. And the other two games were like all-time classics. All-time classic games in Northwestern softball history. And how many of those have there been this season? Ten? I don't even know. Like, where you're like, these are hallmark where we're hunting through the clips being like, we have to find the clips to show the replay because you all have to know what happened here. And just to read about it, won't... The The Missouri game, they go to the bottom of the eighth, extra innings, and in the bottom of the eighth, with two outs, Missouri puts runners on first and second and then hits a ball through the gap between second and third. And Angela Zedek... For the second time this season, hoses down a player in the most in like on the biggest stage in the biggest moment of the game, and it's like Zedek to Rudd. They've had a connection twice. Where both times all-time plays. If she doesn't put the play the the ball exactly where it has to go at home plate, and if Rudd doesn't gather it and make a perfect tag, Northwestern loses the game. But that's the point. You've all been on board seasons where this happened, and it's like, scuzz. I think about our junior year at Northwestern football, right, two thousand, where it's like, at some point, you're kind of just looking up at the sky and being like, you know, if God be for us, who you know who before could be against us? Like, it's it's just that kind of thing, where it's all of the talent, but then you just have the magic too, and, it, and it's just it's incredible.
1: Yeah, it it has been um, it's been really exciting. Like I think the last time we talked about softball in depth, we just talked about how exciting this team is to watch. The walk off home run against UCLA, um, the aforementioned ZDAC throw to home plate against Oregon, uh, the the one nothing you know win against Washington. This this no hitter against Stanford. Like they are just so much fun Who, to watch. Stanford
2: was twenty and four coming yeah.
1: to that game. Yeah. Um, I wanted to call out, um, something that, uh, was highlighted by D one, the D one softball Twitter account. I think that's what it was. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, which is a really interesting coaching angle that, that emerged this weekend. So we've been talking about, obviously, Danielle Williams is a Uber talent. She's an incredible pitcher. Um, and Northwestern has struggled to find, you know, the right battery mate for her, um, going into these, you know, four game weekends. Cause Williams cannot pitch all four games. <laughs> and what the D one softball account highlighted or NCAA D one softball ha- highlighted is that most coaches going into like a three game series or three big games, um, you know, weekend, they will pitch their ACE twice and hope that they get, you know, a good, 15, 16 innings out of their ace, and maybe they can use them in relief. In, in another year. But but they're essentially saying, like, the middle game is, is going to be, the rest of the battery is going to be handling the middle game. And this weekend, Williams pitched in all four games. But she came in in relief in the first three. So after uh, Lauren Dvorak pitched three innings against um, Ball State, in the first game. And then Williams came in for the next two. Uh, in that in that game against Missouri that you mentioned, John. Um, Boyd pitched the first three innings. And then Williams came in for the last seven. Uh, in the second game against Ball State, uh, Boyd pitched almost the whole game. Williams just came in. She got a save. I guess she got the last out. And then, obviously, she pitched the whole game against Stanford. Um, but it is... I think it's really cool to see that coaching pop up and, and um, D1 Softball basically called out Kate Johan as being super innovative in this, in this space and figuring out how to work with the talent she has and the team she has uh, to maximize the opportunity for success. And that's, that's really exciting and just underscores everything else we've already been talking about um, in, in the way that this team is, is rocking and rolling and will likely continue to do so. I mean, this is going to be a really fun ride this
2: year. Absolutely. And, and no, go ahead, Sammy. And, and what's
0: great is now they're coming home. You know, we're recording this on Monday night, the 21st. Tomorrow, <laughs> they, weather permitting.
2: They have to come home during spring break. I just. It's. Get it your ass to Drystale Field. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you really. I mean, South Padre Island, Daytona Beach, Miami, do you really have to go? Is it that important? Couldn't you just go to Drysdale Field instead? This is all I'm saying. Uh
0: yeah, they got Loyola Chicago uh tomorrow uh, as we record this on Monday night. Um and then Big Ten play starts with a a three set against Michigan State um this weekend, and then next weekend, Michigan.
1: Next next weekend is the weekend. Next yeah. Oh, this is this is the, the, whoever comes away with two out of these three games is in the driver's seat for the big 10.
2: Right. And that's, and so there's, there's a couple other pieces of it too. First of all, Scuzz, you mentioned, you know, from, from the actual quote unquote X's and O's, even though we're talking about softball, the awesome work that coach Drohan has been doing, the way she's been sort of platooning Danielle Williams. Well, There, there's one important piece that should really be mentioned here, and I think there's a chance because of the way the Mizzou game ended and then the way um, the the Stanford game went, whereby Danielle Williams was a little shaky towards the end of of that Mizzou game, like mainly the sixth inning, um, and then locked it down. In the extra innings, although things got crazy in the bottom of the eighth and it took that ungodly play from ZDAC to to extend the game. And then that was all just wiped off the books because then Danielle Williams went full Terminator mode and just obliterated one of the one of the, you know, maybe the fourth best team in the Pac-12. And lost in all that, right, was that for for a tiny bit of bad and a heck of a lot more good, it was happening with Danielle Williams on the mound. Well, lost in all that is Lauren Boyd has been awesome the past two weekends. Um, first of all, she almost threw a no-hitter last weekend. And then this weekend, she was great against Mizzou. And to your point about the way Drohan is working, Drohan was basically like, um, "This Mizzou's an awesome team. We're going to start Boyd, and we've got break glass with Danielle Williams as soon as it's needed. And that's exactly what they did. Boyd pitched awesome through three innings and then got in a little bit of trouble in the fourth inning. And Coach Drohan went, all right, in comes Williams and played it exactly that way. And it really worked. But lost in that is that like, there's certainly no guarantee Boyd wouldn't have worked herself out of that situation she was in in the fourth. It was just the strategy and the way we were going. But Boyd's been really good. And for us talking about the way that that Northwestern's got to find that you know that number two. I mean, this goes a, a long way toward solving that problem.
1: Well, well you, and, the, and the bats are what allows you to do that, right? Oh, because I mean, like that I, was the
2: other thing we talked about, and
1: and this is you know just relative to the last couple of years, uh, and you can even go back to that World Series run that the Cans went on a few years ago. I mean, most of those games were super low scoring, but Northwestern has put runs on the board this year um, and they, and they mean, put, they put up, Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah. They put nine on Mizzou. You had the, you had the, the two Rachel Lewis home runs right in this game. Um, and that like the, the, that gives the coaching staff the opportunity to say, okay, you know what, if we give up a couple runs to Mizzou early, it's okay. Cause, cause our bats are going to be there. Um, and that's, that's
2: just a really exciting place to be. It is. I mean, again, I, I go back and I think of some, you know, like, 95, for example, right? And, like, what was known coming into that season, right? Where it's like, you know, it looks like, you know, we know Rob Johnson's going to be good. We know Sam Valencizi's going to be good. Steve Schnur's probably going to be good. And then everyone was good. It's kind of like that. It's like, it looks really quaint now. The way that we were like, Northwestern's got to find those bats against the top competition. Now that it appears that, like, everybody in this lineup can hit. It's just like they they had so many things coming in, but this team has made this titanic leap. And now it's it's literally you go through the lineup and you look like I mean Rachel Lewis, Jordan Rudd, Mave Nelson, Skylar Shellmeyer, Angela Zedak, like Hannah Katie, like Grace Neat they all hit for power at average. There's no weak place in this lineup. They're all awesome. And that's why like to the aforementioned D1 softball, they're eighth now in the D1 softball rankings. And first of all, frankly, that's low. And they should be higher because the resume of this team is just ludicrous. They have no bad losses and a bucket load of good wins. But it's important for everybody who doesn't follow softball closely to know eight is kind of a magic number because assuming they win a sufficient amount of games in the tournament, eight gets you a super regional. I was just gonna now, say, now it does yeah. it doesn't exactly work that way because there's a regional component to it. But honestly, you mentioned earlier, SCUS, right? Like Big Ten championship, etc. Like there's also probably a super regional spot at stake. But Northwestern definitely has the edge in that category. So it's it's this loose thing because the, the tourney is going to be like, well, okay, the top eight teams, but they're also looking to geographically distribute these regions throughout the country. And for example, having a team in Chicago that is absolutely flipping awesome at softball is something that the softball committee really wants to see because it means they can for once put a meaningful regional up in the North Midwest instead of like Oklahoma and California and Florida where they always are. Yeah. Well, well, well
1: in, in the top, seven, you've got Florida state, Florida and Alabama, right? Like they're like that. That's, that's not going to be three super regionals. Um, you know, Oklahoma, Virginia tech, uh, are some of the other ones, Duke, Oregon, Washington, you know, like presumably there'll be one out on the, on the West coast. So that would be, teams that you know northwestern has beaten all of them uh northwestern should win the big 10 and PEC Pac 10 uh pack 12 championships this year frankly so um right. but yeah so it's not a guarantee but you're right that is that is kind of a magic number and a great target for cats to be right. top eight
2: right and, and sort of bearing the lead the reason we bring this up is super regionals are friggin incredible <laughs> they're like like one way to look at it is in terms of total games played north like Drysdale Field is currently on schedule to host 14 softball games this year. If Northwestern hosts a Super Regional, that number basically doubles. Northwestern isn't playing in all those games, but were Northwestern to win and make the Super Regional, Drysdale Field hosts, what, like a total of seven teams other than Northwestern over multiple rounds, all of whom are awesome softball teams, all of whom bring their fan bases, you know, and their teams And it's just this raucous environment, basically just this softball party that goes on for weeks. And, I mean, and Northwestern hasn't hosted one of those, I think, since the mid-aughts, I want to say. And, I mean, it's just like, again, not to put the cart before the horse, but, I mean, you look at a season like this and it's hard not to think the stars are aligning.
0: Yeah, super exciting. And um, I know off-air we've kind of been – and now, John, you and I have been kind of trying to – figure out which of these Michigan games we can go to. Um, I, I know I would, I definitely want to go either Saturday or Sunday. Um, not, not sure what, what the schedule is going to look like, but I, I, I think the plan is one of those two days. Yeah. I, hopefully. Be at, at- I know
2: as do I. And I mean, the other great thing is, is softball is so weird, right? It's like there are 14 opportunities for you to go watch this team. If you can make the Michigan games, awesome. Come join us. If you can't, there's 14 different... Like, pick one. What day is most convenient for you? But get out to the stadium. Again, it's like, it sucks that, again, like, hopefully as many like Evanston residents, as many alums can get to Drysdale Field tomorrow and Tuesday and support this team, because it just stinks that the students are gone. But, and for the students, man, don't think it's always like this, because it's not, regardless of sport. Like you're going to be talking about this season a long time from now. So like, go watch, get on board.
0: Uh, so we, we did mention, uh, a national championship for Northwestern. Um, we should probably turn our attention to wrestling. Um, no, I'm not talking about WWE. Uh, we've got, uh, college wrestling, Ryan Deacon. If you smell three is cooking. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there you go. There you go. Three time big 10 champion. Um, but has, not, has never won a national championship until this year. Getting it done at 157 pounds, um, All-American national champion, Big Ten champion, congrats to, Ryan, uh, congrats to Ryan Deacon.
2: I think, so we should do full disclosure, right, and say, like, look, we're incredibly aware that Northwestern has a very strong wrestling program. I would definitely come clean and say, right, that we are not big wrestling fans, right? And wrestling is an interesting thing whereby, you know, I I might compare it to as someone who's not in on hockey to the way you guys are with hockey, right? But but even more so, right, where there are a lot of people who don't understand the intricacies of wrestling, but within the wrestling community, that's all there is. Wrestling is the thing and everything else falls second. And one thing that I think became very apparent to everyone outside of Northwestern Nation, looking at the coverage of the Big Ten Championship, the coverage of the NCAA Regionals and then Finals, is that Ryan Deacon is something of a god in the wrestling world. But beyond that, he is someone who all of the wrestling world wanted to root for because he was the guy who so clearly deserved a national title, who just threw bad circumstances, hadn't gotten one yet. And you saw that, that, that he was almost the focal point of the whole deal, right? At the NCAA championships, they're filming him getting out of the car, walking into the stadium. Like this was his moment. It was his moment to get the thing that he, that he deserved and he'd, he'd never gotten before. And it was, it was awesome. It was really cool to see. And it was really cool to see just how much of you know, as as again, someone who's not personally a huge wrestling fan, just how revered and, and respected he is in that community, and that he finally had his moment.
0: And you know, lest we give short shrift to the other three All Americans, uh, the cats put up, um, Michael DiAgostino, um, fin- ended up finishing fourth place overall at uh, 125 pounds. Chris Cannon uh, was seventh at 133. And then Lucas Davison um, made the move from uh, 197 to heavyweight, finished fourth. Um, I, I'm sorry, finished sixth, losing to the eventual champion, Gable Stevenson. Um, you might remember from the Olympics
2: and also Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's it was, you know... An amazing night, amazing scene, amazing run up, you know, to the NCAAs and everything. And then just it all made for that absolute ludicrous day because you had lax earlier in the day. You had, I mean, again, can't stress all we talked about with that Missouri game and then scant, what, hours later, uh, you know, Ryan Deacon wins a national championship. So it was just an absolute red red letter day on Saturday one well, uh this, he's not the only northwestern wrestler to
1: win a national championship there's been um northwestern has a a you know a pretty successful history of wrestling uh jason Sertzis, the most recent in 2014 uh you had dustin fox in 2008 uh jake herbert in 07 and 09 uh then you go back into the you know 1990 with jack griffin and then you're back into you know 1970s and then the 1920s etcetera but uh, northwestern's had a good had a good a really strong wrestling program. This is the first um, national championship for the current head coach, uh, whose whose name escapes me at the moment. But um, it's it's great to see this, and I think you know, John, you 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 posted some on Twitter, like a shot of the softball team on their team bus. Oh, so cool! Watching on the phone, uh, Deacon get it done, and that, like I was just like a perfect encapsulation of of a perfect a perfect encapsulation of what is so much fun right now with Northwestern athletics and all these, you know, to be, to be fair, like non traditional, um, high revenue sports or whatever that, that are being so successful, but to see the community within Northwestern, within those teams supporting each other. And, uh, frankly, it's exciting to be a part of that, you know, from, from our perspective. So, um, we love it and, uh, it's great to see congratulations uh, of course, to Ryan Deacon and, and the whole wrestling program. And uh, yeah, we're excited to see what's
0: next. Matt, Matt Storniolo is the, uh, is the head coach's name. He's been there
2: since uh, 2017. Thank you, Sammy. And we should mention, right, like Northwestern, that's two national titles this year, field hockey and then Ryan Deacon in wrestling. A lot of schools didn't get one this year and Northwestern's got two. And let's put a giant asterisk and counting. <laughs> this season so far <laughs> so it's that
0: would, that would
1: really be cart before the horse but uh <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah let, let's you know what one day at I'm a gonna, time one game at a time say, right
2: all I'm gonna say
0: talking a little lacrosse now um you know as we record this on Monday night uh cats took care of business against Dartmouth um 18 to eight uh this earlier tonight um just a dominating performance. Uh, and then on Saturday, the big day of of Northwestern everything, uh, Ohio State came into town and the offense was clicking. Twenty two to fourteen, Cats
2: won that one as well. It's it's one of those things where I think we're aside from North Carolina, where I think eventually the wheels just kind of came off. And and I think Scuzz, you were even talking, or was it Sam talking at the time? Like, oh my God, this team's good at defense, North Carolina, but. Aside from yeah. that, I mean, Northwestern, I would say we've seen better defensive teams than this, but this one is, you know, I mean, again, like you hate to be, it's like, God, and if you would, if you add Izzy Skane to this team, but even without Izzy Skane, the firepower on this team is ridiculous. And I think there are two ways to look at it. One way is everyone is scoring right now. And I think if you look at Ohio State, we had, I think something like eight players score at least two goals. So, I mean, the goals are coming from everywhere. And then the other side of it is, on the other hand, Lauren Gilbert is on this ridiculous heater. <laughs> I mean, she has 11 goals in the past two games. Um, and, of course, we've all seen what, she, what she's done already this year, right? I mean, Syracuse, but one example, right? So, um, I think the – yeah, I mean, they're you want goals like they're getting them. And I think, you know – We'll, we'll see again when they place the, the top competition, the top defenses, um, you know, can, can they keep living this way? But right now they've just got goals for days. So
1: based on the current uh, USA lacrosse magazine rankings, Northwestern has played number one, number two, number five, number eight, number nine, and I don't see where Notre Dame is. Oh And number 20, Notre Dame, um, maybe a couple others, but like, I I say that because I'm about to to, to quote some stats on the season. I want to reemphasize what we've talked about previously that Northwestern's had easily the toughest schedule in all of college lacrosse this year. Now they have lost to number one and number two in North Carolina and Boston college. Um, but they have beaten every one of those other teams. And when I like, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a couple of my favorite stats here. So draw controls are getting better and better. Um, Northwestern's at 164 to 138 for their opponents. That's, you know, just a critical facet of the game. That's always been a hallmark of Kelly Monty Hiller's best teams. On the uh, free position opportunities, Northwestern's converting those at uh, 52.6%. That's, um, you know, 3% better, 3.5% better than, than their opponents. Uh, save percentage is higher. Shots on goal are higher. Um, so they're really getting it done. Uh, on, on both sides. Um, the clearing percentage has improved. That was that was a little bit of a struggle early on in the year. They're up to, uh, to 87% on clearing percentage. That's better than the, the 806 that their opponents are putting up. So when you break down like some of those other components of the game, especially defense and draw controls, which, again, I still think that's the, 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 the most important thing for Northwestern this year. They've got a ton of scorers. No skein, as you mentioned, but Gilbert is on a heater, etc., like it's, it's controlling those other components of the game. That was the the struggle against North Carolina was that, um, I mean, North Carolina was, was a woman down for at least I think two, if not three penalties in the first half. And that that was how that game at halftime was, was pretty tight. And then in the second half, like, um, just took over in all facets, got incredible goaltending. I mean, Northwestern got that had had many, many times down the, uh, down in the offensive end where they got a good shot and couldn't convert it to a, to a goal. So, you know, there's still a lot of of, of run on this season and uh, plenty of growth for the Northwestern team to come by, but the, the, the metrics that we're seeing look pretty strong for this team relative to where they've been over the past few years, even without their top player.
0: Yeah, it, it's, you know, so much fun to watch. Um, you know, the, their next game is on this Saturday at Michigan. Uh, and then the next Friday at Penn state and uh, then at Penn on uh, April 3rd. So nice little weekend out in Pennsylvania uh, before coming home to take on Rutgers, uh, San Diego state, Johns Hopkins, and then finishing up the season at Maryland before uh, the big 10 tournament at Rutgers this year. So, um, you know, only a few games left. Worth noting. Maryland is number three right
1: now in that poll. I cited earlier. Northwestern is number four. So like, that Maryland Northwestern tilt, like circle that on the calendar, it's always a big deal, um, but it has it has become a massive
0: deal again uh, this year already. Especially because you you know they'll see each other like a week or two later in the Big Ten tournament.
2: Yep. The one other thing wanted to mention, um, just to 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 spotlight this program because it is a big deal, and also just because uh, my wife was an All American fencer many days years ago at Northwestern. Um, Northwestern heads to the NCAA championships in fencing. Um, the cats have one qualifier in each of the three disciplines, Sky Miller in Sabre, Hannah Lipthe in Epe, and Sarah Philby in foil. So it kind of works out, you know, interestingly, one, um, wildcat in each discipline going to the championships. The big thing though, and, and again, to the extent that, that a lot of you, you know, are not particularly interested in, um, fencing, get it. Um, but know this: Sky Miller is one of the greatest fencers Northwesterns ever had. Um, she is someone who, including this year, is in the running to be an NCAA champion. Which, as just lauded as Northwestern's uh, fencing program is, that is like a short short list. So the she finished second at regionals um, barely. And so, I mean, she took a silver medal out of regionals and is very much in contention if things break her way to win a national championship in South Bend this weekend. So, um, yeah, so that's just another one. Just keep an eye on up for that. We'll update you guys on Twitter and on the pod about that. But, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if she can pull it off. So last week, um, you know, as
0: we were kind of previewing the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, um... Yeah, you know, we were wondering about the, you know the the likelihood of potentially moving on from the Chris Collins experience. Um, you know, I think we all knew it was not going to happen, but kind of hoped that maybe it would. Uh, you know, of course, we you know finish finish recording, post the episode, and later on that day, uh, Doctor Greg comes out and says that Chris Collins will be back indeed for his tenth season. Um, I guess they sat down, had a heart to heart. You know, you can read between the lines and kind of say, Hey, win or else. Um, but you know, we were talking with Scott, um, about you know, potential uh, replacements for him. <laughs> and we, <laughs> and, you know, we've, and we've all three, all three of those guys now have, yeah, I was about and to then, say, <laughs> we watched them all find new homes. Yeah. Um, you know the coach from San Francisco is now the coach
2: at Florida. That's right, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Gates, Gates is in the mix
2: somewhere. yeah. at, at Missouri. Missouri, I believe. Yep, yeah. So the train is the train has left the station. And I mean, it is, it is what it is. And again, we you're right, we all talked about it. The buyout was so prohibitive, um, that you know, we get it. I, I give credit to Dr. Gregg for coming out. And and like you said, Sam, I mean, it effectively reads like a winner all situation. He mentioned, you know, I expect something like changes to be made, or, you know, I, I, I'm paraphrasing the exact language. And then some people have been looking at that and being like, oh, speculating, being like, oh, well, what are those changes? Are we talking about switching out in coaches? And you could read it that way relative to assistance potentially, but you could also just read it as, I expect important changes like we start winning basketball games. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's, it is, I mean, again, it, like you said, the, the change was not, you know, we, we didn't expect, we kind of hoped that there would be a change, but at least now, I guess we all feel like we have clarity on, on where Northwestern's going. So,
0: you know, I made mention of the tournament earlier, um, you know, and you know, mentioned that my bracket is looking absolutely terrible, um how's yours guys looking
2: i haven't even looked Uh. let's like so let let me let me answer your question with a question sam um when you say like how's it doing like if if you're saying all right the goal is to have as many winning teams as possible (laughs) then not well but i would submit I submitted two brackets to the to the Westlaw Pirates Challenge, one on my own behalf and one on my daughter's behalf. Both are in the 2.2 percentile in the country. I would submit that's just as impressive as the 97.8 percentile. It is not easy to have brackets this bad. Okay, I feel like I deserve a little bit of, of kudos for that. I think, you know, it's not easy. Upsets are random. Anything can happen. It's hard to have two brackets that suck that bad.
1: I do just want to celebrate a little bit, like, how spectacularly incorrect we were in our discussions with Scott <laughs> last week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: St. Peter's was mentioned. Well, so St. Peter. St. Peter's was mentioned, and then we all kind of like laughed, like "Oh, that'll never happen." And
2: um, oh, who that, can remember? That who that, can remember? That
0: was the closest. Do I, do I need to? Do I need to pull up last week's pod <laughs> and you, just drop a clip in? Oh,
2: no, no, I just wanted
1: to call it. Like that was the closest we got to like a good prediction because we were all about you know Providence getting upset, and I, I mean, I guess we talked about Illinois going down early, but you know, we were we were all in on Iowa. And, uh, I mean, much like most of the nation, um, which that, that didn't pan out. So I, you know, I don't know, whatever I, 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 find myself not super enthralled with the tournament this year. Um, and that's, you know, my own, my own issues, um, as opposed to anything wrong with the tournament. I will say something that jumped out to me, um, on the women's side is that, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Caitlin Clark and Iowa and the battle that she had with Veronica Burton throughout this year and just what an incredible player she is. Iowa shockingly got knocked out, um, in the second round on
0: their own floor, on
1: their own floor, but on their own floor with like a 15,000 person sellout of the building, which Uh is important because, um, it just, it, 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 cites the opportunity that exists in women's basketball. And there was an article on the athletic highlighting, um, what that crowd was like, what that game was like, and, and just, you know, the opportunity that portends going forward. And I just, um, I just thought that was worth calling out. It was, it was pretty exciting to see it.
0: I, I do. I do want to mention in that game, um, you know, Caitlin Clark was only held to 15 points. So, you know, they, Creighton did a really, really good job holding her down. Uh, Lauren Jensen hits the game winning shot for Creighton she transferred from Iowa. So she goes <laughs> she goes back to Carver-Hawkeye Arena and knocks off her old team well, as Creighton heart, advances. Heart-
1: heartbreaking them. loss at home of a, of a wonderful team couldn't happen to nicer people as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, oh, darn, oh.
2: Yeah, the, uh, the other thing too, you know, because you talk about that kind of, you know, potential of the women's game, and of course the women's game just had this kind of explosive growth, right? But one of the other recent knocks on the women's team is like it's too top heavy right and then you 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 see something that seems to accentuate that which is like south carolina just like literally like no they just put a lid on the basket and then just no one scores against them apparently um but she put that aside Double-digit seeds going crazy in this women's tournament, yeah. right? Like Creighton yeah. just being one, beating Iowa at Iowa. But I'm just like looking at tonight. So-
0: South Dakota beats
2: Baylor. Right, South Dakota beats Baylor. Belmont tonight lost to Tennessee by three. Princeton lost to Indiana by one. Like, I mean, the you had that era of the power programs, and of course they're still there, but the game is getting deeper and deeper and deeper. We- and, we- yeah.
1: We had discussions on this podcast six, seven years ago about how the UConn phenomenon in women's college basketball is very akin to what UCLA did in men's basketball in the 70s. Exactly, yeah. And that their success, while it was hard to stomach in the moment, was was going to improve the game because it was going to create excitement, it was going to create competition, it was going to get these other programs uh, a vision of what success looked like. And something they could, they could build toward It It was going to create assistant coaches and head coaches that were going to trickle down throughout the sport. And that has happened. And, and I, there was, there was a really uh, interesting commercial I saw the other night. It was just, it was just a black screen. And then in the background, you had the, 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 the call from the game when Notre Dame won the national championship. What was this like three years ago? I think, um, an Ariki, I Ag- uh, um, I can't remember her last name. Um,
2: uh, uh, it's a Agobun- gum. I'm gonna massacre it. It's like a gumbo. No, I'm just I'm just gonna give up. Yeah, I yeah. can see it in my mind. Uh,
1: a Ag- gumbo That's what arika yes. A gumbo wale um, hits like for anybody who didn't see it, she hits like at the buzzer, hits a three from the corner. But it's not like hey, they found her open in the corner and she took a three. Like she did this. She did this off the dribble she is moving laterally in the air as she shoots it and drains a three to win Notre Dame, their first national championship in gosh knows how long. And it was incredibly exciting. My wife screamed, my kids freaked out. Um, and, but, but the point of the commercial was like, this was like an incredible moment in sports. And so many people didn't see it. And we've, we've been on this corner for a couple of years now. And I cannot like you're, you, Northwestern didn't make the dance. It's a huge bummer. You know, the 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 Iowa team that you probably heard a lot about during the course of the season is now out. It doesn't matter. Like watch these games in the women's tournament. It will be exciting. It will be heart-pumping. Like in, enjoy it and for the athletic spectacle that it is. Um don't miss don't miss what is going to be a
2: phenomenal uh last 3 rounds of the women's tournament. As long as we're talking the women's tournament, too, and even though Northwestern didn't make it, let's just use this as an opportunity to say that Veronica Burton, third-team All-American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First first one to ever do it, first Wildcat to ever be one of the three, first, second, third-team All-American, right? That basically means she's one of the 15 best players in the country. You're going to see that totally confirmed during the WNBA draft when she goes really high. Hey, I mean, the U.S. Olympic squad, right? Right, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, And then the other piece of it, though, Northwestern women's basketball, do not lose sight of the fact that Jordan Hamilton is still playing basketball, right?
1: Oh, yes, I totally forgot about that.
2: She's going to the Sweet 16 with Stanford. Now, she's like ninth woman on the team. She comes off the bench seldom. I think she has something like 25 points on the season. But again, this is someone who had, you know, between 850 and 900 career points at Northwestern. This is someone who either started or was like sixth man for four years at Northwestern on very good basketball teams, right? This is not her first trip to the tournament, right? Um, And she's someone who just absolutely went to war for us for four years, big time. Logged so many minutes, so much meaningful basketball, and then graduated and had a chance to grad transfer. And now she's, again, in a lesser role on a powerhouse team, and she's going to have a chance to win a national title yeah, so go, go we'll get a see. natty jordan go yeah, get it go get go get a chip as
0: as we're talking brackets um we would be remiss if we didn't mention the one other bracket that uh was released this past weekend that's right the college hockey bracket um the frozen four yeah the ncaa tournament 16 teams made the field um yeah we all taken a an interest to the, the college hockey tournament over the past several, several years. We've all kind of paid attention to it. Um, we're not going to break down each team individually like we did a few years ago. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's, there's definitely some fun matchups um, and, you know, some interesting teams, Western Michigan.
1: The reality is, and this is, this is, this is kind of my corner because I've been running a, a, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if you would call it a, a sarcastic pool, but um, I call it the ridiculous the ridiculous uh, NCAA hockey tournament because it's single elimination hockey which is quite ridiculous um these these uh these game i mean you know one seeds don't often get upset in the first round in the in the basketball tournament and it happens every single year in the hockey in the, the hockey time. tournament and, all the time and we're talking like you know I i can't even i can't even tell you what that stands for but it's some like obscure institute of technology in you know Ro- rochester i think is that rochester i thought it was like Rensselaer or something Any, anyway like r-i-t knocking off north dakota or yale coming out of nowhere to knock off denver like like just crazy crazy shit happens in this tournament um but it's just fun and uh i will say one of the one of the most exciting changes this year is uh in the past, the tournament has started on Friday, and then teams that that play their first round like like a half, I think half the teams that play on Friday play their second round game on Saturday, while other teams are playing first round games on Saturday. It's quite confusing, and they've they've made it a proper um, a, a proper schedule this year. I'll call it where you know uh, there are half the teams play thursday saturday the first weekend and the other half the teams play friday sunday kind of like it should be with you know just like basketball um it's a good a a, a good step as far as i'm concerned but um this tournament is always fun it's on espn you get butchie gras and uh, uh and melrose calling games um melrose might be intoxicated while he's doing it i'm not sure but um it's a lot it's a lot of fun and uh if you like hockey dig in enjoy it the uh my, my, my other favorite thing is, is just the um, preponderance of, you know, geographic bias that oh, uh, my, my friend oh group my. has.
2: Oh yeah. So like,
1: <laughs> and, and in the first round, Sam, your Denver pioneers are facing up against John's, I don't like, John doesn't really have a team in this, in this fight, but if he had a
2: team, it would be UMass Lowell and y'all play <laughs> round one. Denver. Some sallies. Why don't you go catch some more trout? You sallies. Why don't you catch some lobster like a real man? That's what I'm saying. You mess I just like I can't this is all I live for every year is just the teams. There are how many teams in this tournament? What, 16? Six, 16, 16. 16. Four of them are from Massachusetts, <laughs> which is, first of all, low. not out Not out of the normal at all. And if anything, low.
1: If anything, it's low. Usually it's like
2: six teams from Massachusetts. And, and within Massachusetts, the distribution, I don't have to say what kind of distribution, pick one. Regional, academic, uh, cultural, financial the distribution the four teams are umass northeastern umass lowell and harvard (laughs) and and umass not a big state massachusetts not a big state
1: stalwarts boston college and boston university are in the tournament almost every year uh they have not made it this year you can i'm very cut up about this i might add um no i'm not uh but like yeah but yeah (laughs) like typically you have a just a ton of boston teams a ton of minnesota teams the trope from the from the movie miracle uh several years ago about you know a lot of guys from boston and 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 minnesota is really spot on when it comes to to college hockey
2: i mean it's just it's the the degree to which dying or long dead mill towns of the northeast are represented in these tournaments allentown hosts a regional worcester hosts a regional Lowell is a team in the tournament just about every year. I'm just there's no amalgam for this. There's nothing else remotely similar to this.
0: there is there is one point I do want to mention, um, and that's uh, kind of bringing it into the big Ten. Michigan who won the big Ten tournament has like four I think they had four of the top six draft picks in the NHL last year and like all of these guys they had five or six Olympians. Who went to Beijing? So you know, there, there's a lot of talent on this Michigan team. If you're a fan of, you know, if you're a fan of the NHL, uh, probably one of your players is, you know, plays for Michigan. Be- so better, you
1: know, better tune in on Friday because the fact that Michigan is the number one overall seed probably means they're going to lose to American International College oh, I, in the first round. I was rag. about to
2: say, I was about to say, all these guys play in the Olympics and then the NCAA is like. First of all, how do you feel about Allentown, Pennsylvania? (laughs) (laughs) And then puts them with Quinnipiac, St. Cloud State, and American International. Yeah. Who, as Scott said, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose, to.
1: I think, so St. Cloud State was the number one um, overall seed last year. And I'm trying to look it up real quick. I want to say they lost in the first round last year. Um, no, they didn't. They went to the final where they got smoked by by UMass five 0 So uh, my recollection there is incorrect. But it has it has definitely happened where the number one overall seed usually when it's the Minnesota Golden Gophers um, has gotten smoked in the first round by some no name no name school. Um, but yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. Uh, the other Big Ten teams in 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 the the bracket. It's just Notre Dame in Minnesota. Oh and, and, yeah, and the Gophers as well. I'm just um,
2: I'm just looking that I just we have our pod is composed of one guy from the upper Midwest, one guy from the Rockies and one guy from New England. And that accounts for <laughs> I'm just pretty like, pretty three, much all the teams three quarters of this tournament <laughs> at least. Yeah, there's
1: no there's no ASU this year, there's no Omaha, um there's no Huntsville. I mean, these are these are like the few squads that aren't that are outside of the areas you mentioned, John.
2: Yeah, like I mean, you really have to lean. Like, do you consider North Dakota outside of that region? Not no, really. no. I mean, it's yeah, like no, Grand I mean, Grand, no. Grand Forks is
1: basically on the border of Minnesota.
2: Quinnipiac's in Connecticut, I think. Like, they're it's it's pretty much all of the teams. It's I mean, all sixteen teams. The,
1: the the Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State corridor is probably the most like non you know uh linear right. to what you were describing earlier i guess you could throw michigan michigan state in there as well but um but we and, all went to northwestern we, we, and
0: western michigan too
1: oh yeah, well, yeah western michigan yeah
0: but we michigan all Michigan tech is in there we there's all a, went there's to a northwestern, bunch of michigan so you teams. fold that in
2: yeah speaking of which you know who michigan didn't beat to win the big 10 title northwestern there's <laughs> 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 our hockey team come on
1: well, well as we talked about a few
0: months ago that that dream is probably dead. <laughs> yeah I know but we can we can always still dream someday and anything else to mention before we get out of here guys no just like get
1: your ass to Drysdale field uh, yeah yep. one of these next two weeks and uh, watch watch the, the the women's basketball tournament you will not be disappointed
0: absolutely uh, could not agree with you more. So we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And email the show, westloppirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlawn of Ryan Field flying the Red Pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scous, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.